0: This former place I'd worked at, they needed funding for some of their clients. So I went talking to the owners of that business. They loved the idea. I went back and met with my dad. And we sat down, we mapped the whole thing out. I was like, damn, we got this awesome fund. And I kind of, I was like, shoot, like the one thing you need for a fund though is money, right? Like that's the most important part is like investors. Like how do I find investors? So I remember I was like, oh, I'll ask my dad. Like my dad, no. he doesn't spend his money. I'm his son. He loves, he's always helped me. He's like, yeah, definitely he'll invest. And I heard uh, I it was a late Sunday night. I went into my dad's office, sat down. I said, dad, I want to thank you so much for helping me. Because he really did help me set up and structure it. Like the thinking through the process really helped me out with everything. So I want to thank you so much. And I said, you, you love the idea. He goes, I love the idea. And I kind of gave him my pitch. And I said, how would you like to be our first investor in our company? All
1: right, guys. Welcome again to another ama- amazing episode. Today we have Bridger Pennington. Uh, if you haven't seen him around yet, uh, you you probably will, and you should. I've, I got his emails way back about two years ago when I think he started his marketing campaign, which we'll dive into. But he is he's a he's an investment guru, I think. Uh, founder of Blackridge Holdings, and has done 317 deals in 3.5 years. He also helps other people launch their own funds uh, and in and, and actually raise capital to do deals. So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about his mentorship program, all that stuff, and we're going to dive right into it. So, Bridger, if you can, go ahead and tell us how, how you, how did you begin, and what got you into this, you know? And and then right after that, if you can dive into a little bit of your marketing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, first off, thanks for having me on the show, you guys. It's going to be fun. Let's. Yeah, we're going to dive into some stuff, and yeah, feel free to to poke or whatever you want to get into. We'll get into it. But yeah. Um, so I started out, I think, like most people, I. Uh, well, at least most entrepreneurial-minded people. I got into college. I was like a kid, just let out of kid, I was like, I'm ready to go, right? And I wanted to uh, to start my own businesses, get started, get running, and get working. I grew up in a very middle-class, average household. My dad drove a super crappy car. He was an entrepreneur. He made money, lost money, the whole thing, right? And I knew though, if I wanted to make something myself, I wanted to start running my own businesses, get into this. So my first two years of college, I started six different businesses. Um, And these weren't, it wasn't like business ideas. It's not like, Oh, I had an idea. Like these were legit six businesses, like up and running, making money employees. And then I like stop it and start another one. I did Chinese tutoring. I did real estate wholesaling, which you guys probably talk about a lot in here. I did cryptocurrency. I flipped, um, Forex. I did, I sold essential oils. I built websites for people. I mean, we were doing, it was kind of like anything I saw. I'm like, I'm just going to try it. Right. I'm just going to run around and do it. And my dad, um, finally grabbed me. My dad's my greatest mentor in my entire life. You'll probably hear about, about him a lot today, but he grabs me. He goes, Bridger, you're kind of like a chicken with your head cut off. I want you to go meet with one of my business partners. I was like, okay, you know, whatever. I'll go meet with it. And he goes, this guy's pretty successful. I think he can help you out. So I, I remember I set this, we set this appointment. I got in my car. I drove up. I was driving this, this, this really nice area and it was a gated community. I pull in, there's these big houses. I'm kind of like, who's my, who's my dad's business partner? I mean, We live in a very average house. I'm like, who is he? This is crazy, right? And I pull up to this (laughs) huge, just gorgeous white home. It almost encompasses this entire cul-de-sac. Like it's, it's a massive home. Park my car. I double check the address. Like, is this, this is actually it. And I get out of my car. I go knock on these big doors. You know, I'm a little nervous. I like, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know if like a butler is going to come and like yell at me, you know, get out
1: of here. And I'm a little
0: nervous. Anyways, my dad's, Partner comes to the, to the door. Bridger, come on in. We walk in. We sit down in this huge, beautiful white room with these white couches, and we start to talk. And I start asking him about entrepreneurship, about life, about business. And I finally get to the point, and I just go, "How did you get all of this?" And I kind of like pointed at everything, you know, like the cars and the house and the big pool in the back, life. like everything, right? Life, life. <laughs> How did you do this? <laughs> and he goes, "You know, it's funny. Uh, a lot of people don't ask me that question." And I was like, oh, shoot. Like, I don't know if that's inappropriate to ask a rich person. That was like my only question I want to ask him. Right. And I guess, I I guess you don't really ask rich people that question. How do you get all
1: this? How do you get to this point? (laughs) I ask that every time I meet someone like that. So I don't know. Oh, Okay. Good. (laughs) Yeah. He goes, goes, no, no, it's fine. Let me tell you about it. And he goes,
0: he goes, I was a lot like you. That's, I think that's why your dad sent me. Uh, In my 20s, I'd started a number of businesses. I did okay. But then I figured out the secrets of the ultra wealthy. I was like, what do you mean that ultra wealthy He goes, this is what the ultra wealthy families of the world do. This is the Gates family, the Trump family, Romney. I mean, I mean, Vanderbilt family, they all are in some way, shape or form involved in the fund space. And I was like, fund, what do you mean? He goes, private equity, hedge funds, venture capital, family offices. Yeah. They all either run their own fund or they're heavily investor involved in other funds. And a lot of these families will get their kids, they get them to go to very good universities. They, they hope that their kids will go work in private equity, hedge funds, and run a fund or come back and run their own family office. And I was very curious about what a fund was. He goes, and he goes, what a fund is in basic terms, and we can get probably more complex in this, this episode, but in basic terms, what a fund is, is a pool of money. Investors put money in that pool. And we as fund managers get to grab from that pool and go invest it. And do whatever we want. We can buy real estate. We can buy stocks, whatever it is. Whenever those investments make money, we just split the returns with our investors. And it's the ultimate, it's like the ultimate money-making strategy. I mean, the wealthiest people in the world in finance on the Forbes and is just all run funds. And it, and it kind of blew, I went, we went through all these, you know, huge fund managers making billions of dollars every year. And I was very intrigued. And he goes, I, about 10 years ago, I figured out what a fund was and how this worked. And I said, I'm going I'm to do this. I'm going to launch a fund. And he goes, Me and your dad about 10 years ago launched our first real estate fund. And at the time, he goes, We have about $8 billion of real estate under management. Whew. And they nice. own multifamily, $8 billion, billion with a B. To yeah, put yeah. that in perspective for people. And hey, you want, didn't know that. Yeah, I, I didn't know. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> That's
1: pretty cool. Like, like, That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well,
0: to put that into perspective, so Grant Cardone, Cardone Capital, they have about $1.1 billion. Yeah. Yeah, so at the time, this is like five years ago. They were seven times bigger than Cardone Capital at that time. Now they're up to about I think $21, 22 billion dollars. They manage crazy amounts of money, right? Yeah. And I was very intrigued. I'm like, wow, this is a that's a lot of money. How did you do that? And he and I and I kind of said, hey, can you be my mentor? Right? I, I've always heard find a mentor. They're going to help you do the whole mentor thing. Right? And I was like, I'm in. Hey, can you be my mentor? And he goes, go talk to your dad dad, your dad knows way more about this than I do and I'm like no no, no. My, my dad's poor like he a car. <laughs> he's a Richard. poor dad that's so cool man. he's a poor <laughs> dad I'm like you're rich dude like can you you teach me he goes bridger me and your dad make about the same amount of money and my job out dropped the floor I was like what like what and he goes yeah we're, I mean we're pretty much equal business partners in this whole thing and I left his house I drove straight to my dad's house and I was like dad what the heck like you're rich are you kidding me like and he's we're all, like, ah, we're we're all the toys in you know? the mansion yeah I, know. I was like what's going on and he goes well you know i uh i'm like why haven't i been able to order a soda at chipotle <laughs> the past 10 years because it's too expensive you know like why oh, man. And, and he goes well bridger i you know i wanted i first off he goes i like to save and invest my money my business partner likes to more spend his money kind of more flashy of a guy and he goes secondly i wanted to raise kids that understood the value of money and yeah, um, I love that, man. It yeah. was awesome. And, and, uh, and he really did that for me and my brothers. And, um, and we sat down though, and sorry, this is a long story. I'll summarize it up a little bit, but we sat down he started teaching me about funds and we pulled out the whiteboard and like, if he's a, I have a fantastic father. I'll probably say that 10 times on this episode. I mean, he's an incredible father sat down, taught me everything he knew about funds. We talked all about it, how to work them as compliance, how to file with the government sec. I mean, how to get investors, the whole thing. He taught me on a whiteboard and I was very intrigued. And, um, I, uh, a long story short, I, I was going to follow the traditional route to get in the fun space. You go do, you get a 4.0 at college, you go do the internships and in investment banking, consulting. I went and did an internship in Silicon Valley. I got a six figure uh, offer stock options, bonuses. I mean, it's an awesome offer to work in Silicon Valley. And, um, I kind of looked at that route of, you know, the wall street route, and,
1: Wait, wait, hold that. on. You went to school?
0: Uh huh. Yeah, I was at school.
1: Yeah, I was oh, okay. in
0: college at the time. I was like my, was like my second or third year at college. Gotcha. And um, I looked at that route, and my, you know, my they, most people you go ten years, you work hundred hours a week, and maybe you can work at a fund one day. But my dad and all his partners, none of them worked on Wall Street. None of them did Ivy League schools. None of them did MBAs even, and some of them didn't even graduate. And they were on top of this huge fund and i was like hi i think there's a disconnect here between what's going on and anyways long story short i ended up launching my own fund i turned down that six figure offer i launched my own fund i got i i went, i had this great idea to go to the um, the this former place i'd worked at they needed funding for some of their clients so i went talking to the owners of that business they loved the idea i went back and met with my dad we sat down we mapped the whole thing out i was like damn we got this awesome fund and i kind of i was like shoot like the one thing you need for a fund though is money right? Like that's the most important part is like investors. So like, how do I find investors? So I remember I was like, Oh, I'll ask my dad. Like my dad, no. he doesn't spend his money. I'm his son. He loves, he's always helped me. He's so like, yeah, definitely he'll invest. And I, uh, I remember it was a late Sunday night. I went into my dad's office, sat down and said, dad, I want to thank you so much for helping me. Cause he really did help me set up and structure it. Like the thinking through the process really helped me out with everything. So I want to thank you so much. And I said, you, you love the idea. He goes, I love the idea. And I kind of gave him my pitch. And I said, how would you like to be our first investor in our fund? You know, my best pitch voice possible. He, you guys are laughing. Kind of already know what happens. He kind of laughs. He goes, Bridger, well, you know, I have the money to invest. But if he goes, if I invest in your fund, I would ruin the experience of you raising money on your own. This will be yeah. a crutch that you'll never able be able to recover from. And he said, no. And he kicked me out. And he said, "You got to go do this on your own." And and to, that was about four years ago, almost to this date, he's never invested in any project, any deal, anything I've ever done. And I pitch him all the time, and he's never done. He's never invested a single dollar. <laughs> he's given me tons of mentorship, tons of advice, but won't invest money. And I took the challenge. It was kind of a tough love moment between so me and my dad. Took the challenge. I went out, hit the streets, and I talked to everybody I knew, and I raised, I raised my first little fund. It was a syndicate. I raised forty-nine thousand dollars from six investors, teeny micro. I mean, you guys are probably raising way more than that. And I was 22 and I was like, this is it, you know, but it was enough to get started. We were doing these small loans. It was enough to get started. We launched our first teeny little fund and I got my first investors a 64% return and they they were blown away. It was awesome. Since then, we launched our second fund and we've done millions of dollars since then, and you know, and grown like crazy. And now we're launching our third fund right now. And it's, it's gone like, it's been pretty fun, pretty fun journey, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how I got into this space uh, along the way. So, and then- That's awesome. To continue the story, I guess a little bit is, so my dad obviously runs this huge fund. My brother is a securities attorney at a, and he's a New York licensed attorney. He works right now as a chief compliance officer at a $350 million real estate fund. So between the three of us, I mean, we've got all the answers, pretty much any question you've got on funds. And so we started a podcast a little bit ago. You mentioned that earlier. We started a few programs just because we've had so many people ask us, how do you guys start funds? None of us yeah. went to Ivy League, none of us did the Harvard route, none of us did the Wall Street route, yet yeah, we were able to all run pretty successful funds, and so we we have online stuff and programs just to help, because nobody talks about this, No, it's like this secret finance, yep. nobody talks about how to start a fund, and so we're like, well, we, we might as well do it.
1: You know, and I think it's amazing what, what you've done, I think the first time I heard about a fund was actually two years ago, and actually I think it was you, but I wasn't too sure, and I had those limiting beliefs. I was like, "Oh man, fun, right?" And then, little did I know. I mean, it's not that different than a, a syndication where all you're doing is converting some of the documents yeah. there in the structure. And I was like, "You can do a syndication. You can do a fund. It's the same,
2: same <laughs> and, and it's cool when you hear people like you, right, who already did it, or people like us who are trying to do it, and and. It's just it's something that like any other business anybody can get into and and anybody can be successful in it uh, as long as you try to get you know mentorship like you said and and, and try to answer you know like key questions along the way uh, and 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 crushes those, those limited beliefs so that's that's awesome I love the story man I love the, the yeah the fact that, your, that your dad didn't even you know Help I mean he gave, he gave you the idea and he 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 helped you with the structure this is how you do it but go do it on your own. And the fact that he let you fail or not fail, but getting to all those businesses, you know, a go to school and all that stuff. And then once you, once you were ready, I think it was, it was that it's like, once you're ready for this, he knew that you were going to come to him and, and, and start doing what he was doing without you even realizing that that he was wealthy already. Uh, Man, that's amazing, bro. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I agree. I, 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 all 100% respect my dad and he's taught us so many good life lessons, be my brothers. And, uh, it's, there's an incredible, incredible man. And, but I, yeah, I totally agree. It was, and like you said, if you can do a syndication, you can do a fund. Yes. There's, you got, you got to learn some stuff. You you got to figure some stuff out, but it's not as crazy as you think. You don't need to have a PhD to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, y- yes, there's some hard stuff, but why not? I mean, it's the yeah. ultimate money-making strategy. It's an ultimate way to scale. And it protects you a a ton from syndications. There's a lot more risks that are involved with investment stuff, funds. I mean, it really, that's why most people on that scale eventually end up in a fund is because it's just such a great vehicle to scale.
1: No, I love it, man. So let's talk a little bit more about, because I, I love the story, but let's talk about, you know, how you've grown over, over these years, right? Because you've started a company you've gone on, but I know you. I know you. You've done an amazing marketing campaign. Um, how? What did you do? Can you give us any actionable items as how you went about that and how you target people? How you go? Yeah, just give us some info on the marketing side of things. Yeah, because I remember getting your emails. I was like, man, this stuff is good, man. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we had. So I'd run my
0: fund for about a year and a half, two years, and we. And I had a, a good friend, a business partner, former business partner. We kind of build websites together. His name's Mason. And we had this idea of, I wonder if we could have programs and stuff in marketing to sell a program on how to launch funds and really teach people and go deep into this. And so, and um, this is something that, that changed my life, this principle. when you're looking for action items. This is an action item that changed my life. Because a lot of entrepreneurs, me, myself included, have a lot of noise in our heads. We have all these ideas and stuff. And you lay up at night and your head's like spinning, like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to be a billionaire, but I just got to do all this stuff. Right. You guys are nodding. You agree.
1: Okay. Uh, oh I think
0: most entrepreneurs can, can relate with that. And I, ha- I was totally that way. And so for me, I just had to get stuff moving and get, just get working on stuff. Right. And something that changed my life was I was at, so I was at Brigham Young University. I haven't graduated yet, by the way, we'll see if I graduate, <laughs> um, just too much opportunity, but um, great professor there, entrepreneurship professor, and he came and just he was a successful entrepreneur. Just came and donated his time to help kids like us, you know, launch launch businesses. And he um, gave a great principle, and this was it. He goes, any pretty much ninety nine point nine percent of your business ideas, you can vet them out and figure out if it's a good idea or not in three weeks and five hundred bucks. He goes, any idea you've got, you got to set a budget and a timeline. He tells, I think for any college, anyone here. I bet in three weeks and 500 bucks you can validate your ideas. I was like, I was like, what do you mean? He goes, seriously, go out. It doesn't matter. Maybe you guys talk about real estate a lot. You can spend three weeks and 500 bucks. Go look at properties. Maybe you're in wholesaling, right? You can try to connect everything up for less than 500 bucks, right? Maybe you take some people to lunch. Maybe you're on a list or two, right? You can validate a lot of your ideas. And his 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 opinion was, hey, take keep a journal of your um, of your entrepreneurship ideas. Put it onto paper. And and go for after So back to the, so back to how we did our online marketing. So we had this idea. We're like, it's a great idea, but what are we going to do? So we said, Hey, three weeks, 500 bucks. So what we did is we built a bunch of ads. I filmed like 10 ads. We made a landing page and we were going to sell a program for $47 just to see, hopefully just to break even on our ads. Right. That's what we were like. Let's just, let's just see what, let's just go test our market we didn't even build a product. Okay. We sold the product. We said, Hey, there's going to be this pitch deck. And I knew what we were going to put in there, but I didn't film it yet. It was going to be a whole information, like course, you know, a small mini course. We put the ads out and the, and the landing page. And what we'd say is right when people bought, we just say, Hey, it's not finished yet. It'll be done in a couple of weeks. If you want a refund though, we'll just give you a refund. We just wanted to test if people would actually pull out their credit card and pay. Yep. And we, we ran that little test. We were like, let's just try it for like a week. In the first four days, our 500 bucks turned into 1,800. Nice. And We were like, "Whoa!" Like that's awesome. And so I call up my brother-in-law, who's got an awesome. He's a YouTuber. He's got this awesome studio. We went and filmed for three days straight. I filmed all the stuff. We edited it all night. And I think only like one person asked for a refund. And we gave these guys this this awesome mini course. And we were like, and they loved it. And they they were like, "This is awesome," you know. And what it did got the noise out of our head. And it got it got us to taste blood. I think. For any entrepreneur, that the faster you can taste blood. Yeah. taste money. You'll work way harder, right? Yeah. People always ask like, how do entrepreneurs work 60 hours a week? It's because they love it. It's because yep. they taste the blood and they're like, man, I'm, I'm going after this huge goal. It's not yep. hard. It's not work at that point. Yeah, and they always yeah. think we're crazy. We're not crazy. We just taste no, blood way earlier than they did, right? And so <laughs> as an entrepreneur, I tell a lot of people, it doesn't matter what business you're trying to do, a fund or real estate or whatever, online marketing. If you can get that first sale that first dollar in for us it's first investor capital if you can get that investor to commit you know half a million dollars or a million or five million dollars that gets everybody out of bed everybody's working harder right oh yeah and so that's how we got started just our first product and we kept running that we just played with our house money kept dumping the money back in we, we built it up built a list we then launched a mastermind program from that group and then we have an even higher level like tiered you know coaching programs and stuff from there and it's been it's been really fun it's actually helped me a lot with my funds. I still run a fund right now. And then also have some coaching on the side and stuff too. So it's been a, it's been a pretty fun journey.
1: Man, that is, that is awesome, dude. That's a really cool story. No, I love it. I love the marketing piece, man. Cause I remember really seeing that. And I don't know if you, if you have launched the product yet or not, but I remember seeing it it was very well done. And I was like, man, a fund, no one's talking about a fund. Let me check this out.
2: And yeah. Everybody talks about real estate investing stocks and all that stuff, but nobody talks about it. And not only that, but
1: teaching it. Oh, well, uh, they talk about the wholesaling, the, the acquisition yeah. side, the asset owning, but not the, the funding side of it. And, and to be honest with you guys, a year prior,
0: we had tried a real estate course. And uh, it was going to be teaching wholesaling. And right. I had these two experts that we brought on and it just kind of flopped. I mean, and we, what we did was we built the whole course. We built 13 hours of content. It was actually a really good course, but it was just so saturated. There's so many people talking about real estate. We just couldn't market very well. And we lost like six months of time and probably like five grand. So this time around, we said, Hey, let's just switch it. Let's build the marketing first and uh, make sure it works. Make sure people actually like this before we spend all the time making the course and the program. And yeah. we just said, Hey, three weeks, 500 bucks, and we'll vet these out. And I've done that with a dozen or so business ideas, and a lot of them don't work. And it's great. Okay. Three weeks. Okay. I'll just move on to the next one. Right. At least it's out of my head. The noise is okay. I don't have to worry about that idea anymore because I vetted it out and it didn't work.
1: That's a right lot noise out of your head. three weeks five hundred dollars all right I'm me keep that in mind because I'm, I'm the guy that's like all right, we're gonna go full force and <laughs> and then we go ahead and we crash our <laughs> yeah army. we go we go full force on everything <laughs> yeah. yeah three weeks only all right three weeks. so let me ask you so now you you you're helping men- mentor people and starting funds how many how how large is your academy right now Yeah. So our
0: main kind of core products are called our mastermind program. So we have a whole video course, legal documents, we have lawyers and other mentors that come on. So I, I realized, and this is something back to the, the other thing is I'm not the smartest guy in the room. Right. And so what I did is I brought on six other mentors that have all launched funds. My dad being one of them, uh, that launched funds unconventional. So we brought that together. Um, and we brought like my brother on and other people like that. And same thing with our, like I have a great business partner who does all of my online marketing for me. Right. And it, I, I've, I'm a partner guy. I like leveraging other people's experience, and it just makes you grow a lot faster. But um, in our mastermind, right now, we have about 780 people currently in our mastermind program. We go live in there once a week. We have whole networking groups and stuff. So it's it's grown pretty quickly in there. Our other our other program, we have a high level like exclusive code, you know, with just 25 people and stuff in that. But yeah, it's about to that size right now. It's been it's been pretty good. We only launched this in February. I mean, it's only been nine months. We've been up and running. I mean, it's been very short period of time. We've had a lot of interest. And it's been really cool to see the people that have come out of it. We have uh, one group out of that. They launched their fund in March of this year, right when COVID hit, right? Yeah. They've raised to date $155 million. And they're telling me they've got another 300 million coming by the end of the year. And I was like, really? And they're, they're they're a hedge fund trading fund. They trade index and other stuff. Really cool group. Um, just like, And they started, they bought our course, started it, started it and launched the fund. It was amazing. We've had um, multiple people on our side of our groups raised 10 million plus for their funds individually. And we have people doing all sorts of stuff. So I think the other thing I, a lot of people think when I start about a fund, right, is what what can a fund be used for? And it's pretty much any, like literally anything. I didn't know that before I started this, but we have people in our groups that have funds for, I, I use the farming, they have an almond farm fund. They go out and buy almond farms. They found they could get a really good return on their investment with almond farms. They go buy those. We have other people in our group that have, um, they convert uh, mansions, like they'll buy a, like a real estate, like for a, not a mansion, but a million dollar home. They'll convert it to a senior assisted living center because old people like to live in a home, right? We have other people that buy their entire fund goes out and buys up uh, writers in Hollywood, like scripts for movies and stuff. And they sell them to HBO. They sell them to Netflix and stuff like that. And they make a return a spread on that. I mean, you can do a fund for pretty much anything. 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 We have yeah. one guy in our group. Just another example. He he buys funeral homes, mom and pop funeral homes. He found that on the public markets, he can double his investment. So he'll buy them up seven million dollars. He'll buy up like I don't know ten funeral homes, group them together. He'll sell them for fourteen million dollars in about a year. He makes so he makes seven million dollars in one year, and obviously splits out with investors, but he takes home a really good chunk of that. I mean, there's a, so many uses for a fund. it's it's, it's really crazy.
1: Yeah, so, so let me. When it comes to licensing, right? Uh, because I know for real estate specifically, you have uh, some benefits there as far as licensing requirements. When it comes to all these other types of assets that you started fund for, um, are you required to have a, a certain license for securities license for those? Great question. Yeah, so one of, that was one of my biggest
0: questions back in my story when I was asking my dad, how do I start a fund and what what license do I need? Now, typically for a fund, you have different, um, different fees that you'll charge. So a lot of funds, if you guys have heard of, ever heard of a 2 and 20 fund, it's a pretty common mm-hmm. theme. And I'll kind of explain that to people that are listening. So a 2 and 20 fund, typically how that works is you have a 2% management fee. And then you have what's called 20% carried interest. And I'll kind of explain that with me. So if you had a timeline, let's say I'm investing in your guys' fund okay, and you guys are doing a real estate fund. And typically what most funds do, like zero to, let's call it zero to 22% IRR, what they'll do is they have what's called a PREF. So the first, for most funds, like 8%, and it's Mm -hmm. a hurdle rate. It's PREF, hurdle rate, whatever you want to call it, preferential rate of return, meaning the first 8% go to the investor. So like in in my fund and your your fund, whatever it be, it's say, hey, you know, Mrs. Investor, I don't make any money unless you make 8% first. So first 8% of all returns goes to the investor. Once we get above 8%, so a lot of funds do what's called a catch-up. So we do the ninth and 10th percentile are a catch-up to the, the fund manager. So let's say we got a 10% return, Eight first 8% go to the investor, the ninth and 10th percentile would come to me or you as a fund manager. Above that, we do an 80-20 split. So if we get above a 10%, so let's say in this example, we got like a 22%. From 10% to 22, we would split 80-20. So 80% to the investor, 20% to the fund manager, to us, okay? So if you total all that up on a 22%, you would make, you know, the ninth and 10th percentile, and then you make about 2.2% if you split 80-20. So you're making, on a 22% return on your portfolio, you make you make 4.4%. And a lot of people might say, well, I don't want to, I'm not in the business to make 4.4% on, you know. That's a the- lot of
2: money, <laughs> On no, twenty yeah, million or whatever,
0: <laughs> you're making four point four percent on the entire fund. Yeah. Right? So if you have a hundred million dollar fund, right, you're making four point four million dollars, right, a year. Okay. So, um, that that like oh, that, it's just the, it's the ultimate scale. So then a lot of funds as well. am sorry. Hopefully we can stay on track and if you guys yeah are, no no, no, like no, no Lowing it. <laughs> so a lot of funds. So that's that's called performance fees. Okay, so if I perform, if my fund does well, mm-hmm. I get a fee. If our fund only did 7% this year, all 7% would go to the investor, I would make no money. Okay, That's called performance fees. Yep. A lot of funds also will charge a management fee. And typically, it's 2%. So a 2% management, that's why you hear a 2 and 20 fund. So a 2% management fee and then remember the 80-20 split. So 20% carried interest. So 2 and 20, that's how they'll call it. Now you can change it. You could do 3 and 30. You can, I mean, you can tweak this a lot, but typically it's 2 and 20. So this is what my dad told me back to your original question. What licenses do you need? So if you're going to charge management fees, you need to have a, let's a series 65 license and you'll become a registered investment advisor or investment advisor. And that's the, the, typically the license you need. But my dad told me this, he goes, Bridger, if you don't charge management fees, you only charge performance fees. And there's a few other things going to it. You don't need to have a license. So, in my funds right now, I only charge performance fees. And I do, I currently don't have a license from I've ran my fund for about three and a half years. I don't have a license and I only charge performance fees. There's a few other things you got to make sure they're the, the right type of investor, all this kind of stuff. But, and I was like blown away. I was like, really? You can start a fund without a license, no license required if you yeah. do it in that way. Now, to be clear, if you're going to be buying real estate or trading commodities or something, you need to somebody on your team or you or a broker needs to have a license to make that transaction in a lot of things, right? You need a real estate license or a, a, some kind of license to trade, but the actual fund running the fund, you don't need to have a license to do so, um, yeah. which is, that was like huge for me when I learned that. And that's how I've been able to launch my fund. A lot of our students do the same thing.
1: And is that for any asset class, uh, not only real estate, right? Any fund.
0: Yes, that goes across the across the board for any of that, board. That fund structure. Is it's really just copy and paste? Private equity funds, hedge yeah. funds, they're all the same. They just have they just buy different things, but they're all the same thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I just know
1: for real estate. I mean, you're not you know you're exempt from the you know SEC for a syndication uh, mm-hmm. license. So I figured it was just for real estate because I know if you go into different asset classes, different different uh, rules apply. Uh, so I'm just curious to see. But so, you know, as we're, I had a question. Okay, so accredited investors, right? So now most people like to deal with just accredited investors, right? Um, and let me ask you this, from your perspective, what is the advantage other than they have more money and they're easier to navigate for SEC rules? But, you know, I, I've had some people say, I don't do anything with non-accredited, right? Mm-hmm. We're non-accredited and we we've always viewed it as exposure we want people to at least have the exposure to decide for themselves i know there's a lot of laws against it but what's your take on that like
0: yeah it's a great question um so first for people listening to a credit investor means you have a a net worth of one million dollars excluding your home or you make two hundred thousand dollars a year and or three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year with your wife um, or spouse so the uh with a fund, at least. Now, syndications are different because you're, you know, syndication, yeah. If you have under 10 investors, it's fine. You can pretty much do whatever. With a fund, when you take money from non-accredited investors, there's a lot more liability that comes at stake. The SEC, gotcha. they are in the business to protect the little guy. Nothing they hate more than a slick-talking fund manager like me or you goes and takes grandma's $20,000 and we lose it. Now, grandma has no money to live on. They they will throw you in prison. I mean, they will really go after you. They they hate that more than anything. Now, if you lose a, a guy, he has fifty million dollars. You lose a million dollars. Yeah, that hurts, but he's fine. He's rich. He should be smart enough to know that he shouldn't have invested. Right. That's why they have those clauses. So, with a with a fund, for instance, there are there are different types of funds where you can take money from non-accredited investors. However, you have to really over disclose to these investors. It's almost like running a public company. If you think about public companies, they have to publish every quarter and every year and their statements and stuff like that. It's a lot of work. They have an army of accountants that do it. Um, a lot of funds are very small. The reason funds are really nice is because they're exempt from a lot of regulation and you can kind of do what you want. And as long as you're disclosed to your investors, as long as you follow some of these rules. And one of them is the the non-accredited investor clause. So in my funds, I'm the same way. I will not touch money from non-accredited investors. And I'll tell you a reason why. So I, my first syndication actually, it's kind of a fun syndication hybrid. I took, I was raising that money and I took, I took $5,000 from one of my kind of friends, coworkers. And he's like 27. He's like, yeah, dude, I got five grand and give it to you. He gives it to me on a Tuesday, on Friday. Calls me up, Bridger, how's the five grand doing? What's going on? I'm like, dude, it's good. Like, you know, it's only been two days. Like, we're fine. You know, it's, it's, you know, this is going to be a process, right? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Weekend, next Monday, Bridger calls me again. Bridger, how's the money doing? You know what? I like, I, I might need the five grand back. I, I might close on a house soon. I was like, I was like, dude, this is not for you. If, if you've called me twice in six days about your, you're so worried. This is not for you. I sent him this five grand back. So take the money back. We're done. Yeah. Why why you kicked me out? Like, it's just not worth it. And typically, um, investors who are are don't have as much money. They're usually going to watch that a lot more, be a lot more annoying, harder to deal with than uh, investors. Now, I my fund right now, I only take money from qualified clients. A lot oh. of a lot of people don't know this, but there's a two other tiers above a credit mm-hmm. investor. So there's a credit investor, million dollar net worth, and a few other things. Qualified client has a $2.1 million net worth, excluding their home. And then there's a qualified purchaser above that. And they have a $5 million net worth or an entity with $25 million in assets. Um, my fund right now, I only take money from qualified clients because there's a few other, I get exempt from a few other things at the SEC if I only take money from qualified clients. So you'll hear on MSNBC or something, they and they'll a fund manager will say, hey, we only take money from qualified investors. And you think they mean accredited investors. That's not what mm. they mean. They mean qualified clients or qualified purchasers or, or above, right? And um, it's because there's a few there's a few more rules, especially the credit investors. So for me, um, there's enough money in the world. Uh, there's a lot of money. You guys, you guys probably know there's plenty of money in the world. My investors, it also takes the weight off my shoulder. If I lose my investors, I lose, you know, a half, one of their, you know, half a million dollars from one of them. Yeah, it's gonna hurt. It's gonna be hard, but I know they're fan. They're gonna be just fine. You know, yeah. They're, yeah, they're gonna be mad at me, but they're gonna be okay. If I lose a hundred grand from a non-accredited investor, I mean that's detrimental to their net worth and to their yep. life. They're gonna hate me, and and I were. You know what I mean? It takes yeah. a little bit of the weight off my shoulders, and and there's a lot of regulation. So I don't know. Does that answer your question a little bit? That's that's no. It
1: of- definitely it definitely does, man. Yeah. No, I I I completely understand that, and that that makes perfect sense. You know, is liability. And you know, just a hassle to deal with because you're trying to you're trying to get a job done, not have people hassle you every day. And that hassle might get in the way of you getting the job done too. So overall, the investors I think are happier if you are focused on what you need to do. So yeah, let me ask you that, this. That being
0: said, though, you can take money from non-credit investors. A lot of people do it. Just just understand that's kind of the risk you're you're facing, risk. especially with syndications, too. I mean, it's kind of the wild, wild west with syndications, right? So yeah, you can put there.
2: Bridger, question. So, for the people that are, like, for example, in your in your academy and and people that you coach, did you um, did you? uh, I mean, and probably they ask you these questions like, "Well, I don't have the network to start, you know, with accredited or above, right?" Uh, Do you recommend them to start, you know, uh, with the uh, non-accredited just to get their their feet wet to learn and then grow up as 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 they go? Um. I
0: when I tell people, I tell them to start with syndications. And if they can, get as many accredited investors in that syndication as possible. Um, I typically tell I tell most of my people just stay away from non-accredited investors, just because it'll it'll save you a lot of time. Um, what you can do with if you do one syndication with accredited the investors, they usually have given you a trial investment. Yeah, I'll throw down 25 with you. You mm-hmm. know, i get a trial. If you can knock their socks off on a syndication, the next time around, when you actually do your fund and you're going to do an official fund, you can probably raise ten times what they did on their trial investment with you because now they trust you. So that's what that's what I tell most people to do: is go go after the big the big dogs, go after the high net worth, the the family offices, the the accredited investment. And, and there's a lot of them. People people have a they in their mind they think that you know only the people I see on Instagram that are in Lambos are the only people with money. Um, there are lots of people that you don't know, like my dad who lives next door to you that has $20 million in the bank, right? Yeah. There's a, there's actually way, and I know some of them now because of my, you know, what I do and stuff. And I'm like, you're that rich and you live in that house and drive that car? And they're like, yeah, I just, I'm not a flashy guy. I just don't like to show off. And like, kind of like my dad, there's a lot of those people. You'll, you, I think you'd be surprised how much money, secret money is out there with people and how many accredited investors are actually actually around you
1: right now yeah so so i have two questions following this one so yeah. you have you know obviously you want to target accredited investors what is what marketing strategy would you recommend to approach those credit investors because i know obviously you can market to them but what's the best way to reach them to make sure that they they get to know you and, and try to invest
0: yeah great great question um so first thing i want to say too with funds you cannot a lot of there's a one the most common fund is called a regulation d 506b fund you don't have to memorize that but if you know what that is you know that you cannot advertise publicly advertise most funds 99 of all money in the world is raised through that filing and that's why you don't see blackstone or kkr or any really big funds running ads they don't run ads at all because they can't it's against the law
1: why so, aren't they 506c though
0: Um, there's a few, they have, if they're, if you become a 506 C fund, you can publicly advertise. However, you have to verify all of your investors are accredited Uh, and you, you have to yourself go check their bank statements or check their W2s on a 506 B. They just self-verify. They, there's a little box. They check it. I'm a credit investor. You don't, you don't have to follow up or anything. So the process is
1: quicker, right? Uh
0: Uh-huh. And it and it won't deter some investors. And a lot of these big funds don't even need to advertise because they they have yeah. of networks too. So that's why they do it. So to, to find and meet high net you know these accredited investors, high network, there's a lot of a lot of ways to do it. The first thing I'll say for people that are listening, to this like, hey, I want to go out and do this, is like I said before, don't reinvent the wheel. There are people that already have been networking and developing a great network the last ten years, but they have no clue what to use it with, where to invest it or what to do with it. I meet a lot of people like this. It's like, I had a guy calling Bridger. I have two billionaires that are really good friends of mine. They want to invest in like my thing, but I don't, I don't have a thing. Right. Can I, Can is there anything I can? And I'm like, yeah, you can come, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, let's do this. Right. <laughs> and so um, first thing I would say is partner with someone that does my dad. And his business. remember that back to the story of my dad and that big guy in the white house, the guy in the big white house, Fantastic networker. I mean, this guy is just a natural salesman, always meets people, just is just as that way. He had no clue to do until he met my dad and they started the fun and started putting that money in. So, first thing I'll say is partner with somebody who already has the incredible network. Now, number two, though, if you're trying to build the network yourself, there's a, a two different things I think about is number one, you can work your way in. Number two is you can buy your way in. And you can do a kind of a hybrid of both. Working your way in would be. Uh, going to, you know, investor group meetups, trying to LinkedIn, the entrepreneurship center, college campuses, all that, you know, just you're, you're, you got to work, you got to work your way in and really practice networking. It's going to take a couple of years. The second way is buying your way in. There's a lot of exclusive clubs, networking groups that you can buy things in. Now I want to say a quick story of how my, my dad's funds did this. His business partner is pretty pretty crazy, actually. Comes home one day. And this they're just starting out brand new business. Like they're gonna do real estate, right? They're gonna buy and sell real estate. Comes in, he goes, John, I just I live in Utah. He goes, I just bought season tickets, box seats to the Utah Jazz. They were like 45000 dollars And my dad's like, What? Like, what are you doing? Like, we don't have any money. Like, why are you why are you buying jazz, like Utah Jazz season tickets? You know? He goes, Whoa, before hold on, hold on, before you like punch me or something. He goes, John, right now, it's really hard for us to sit down with any high net worth people. Like we call Mrs. Anderson's office. She has a a receptionist and they say, oh, sorry, she's in a meeting or they just have these gatekeepers. He goes, if you call Mrs. Anderson's office and you say, hi, you know, hi, I'm Bridger. I'm calling. We've got uh, two seats tonight. The Jazz are playing the Lakers tonight. We would love to have Mrs. Anderson and her husband come. There's going to be a dinner beforehand and all this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. He's going to say yes. And then what they would do is get these high network people to come for four hours, dinner, the game, talking, laughing. They were in a shared uh, booth too, with like 20 other people in this big box. So they would have, they would be mingling and meet a ton of high network people. They bought their way in. So you can work your way in or buy your way in. And they actually, they raised a hundred million dollars from them um, right from that thing. Right. They, um, so that you can kind of think through, can I buy a shortcut or should I work my in, or do a hybrid of both? And um I think there's always a, a healthy mix of a hybrid of, of doing And there's, I can go through a hundred different examples of how I've done it and raised money. We've sent packages to investors and we've sent all sorts of fun stuff to people to try to market a little bit differently. And that's been actually pretty fun. Um, but finding good partners, number one is the fastest way. Um, Cause they already have the network and number two, you can work your way or buy your way.
1: Oh man, that's great stuff right there. I love that story. I mean, it takes an investment, right? But you, you're getting proximity. That's important. And then my my last question here is, um, foreign investors, do you deal with them? Do you not? And how do they work into your fund? Great question. I I tell most people, unless you
0: have, maybe you have that partner that can go raise $100 million from Hong Kong. Well, yeah, let's do it. You know, if it's like one investor from Europe, that's going to be a little investor, it's not worth it. Um, With international investors, you can definitely do it. Just understand now you are dealing with tax code of two different countries and like securities laws of two different countries. So if you're in Canada, United States, for instance, anytime you cross a border, now you have to have most likely a lawyer in Canada and the United States and a tax person in Canada and the United States to understand how those tax laws work together. So it's it's fine to do plenty of funds do. It's just a lot, a little more expense, probably double your expenses, honestly, to do hmm. it. Um, the best thing about funds though, so funds are expensive to set up, right? Uh, A lot of funds, your your out the door price is about $30,000 just for your legal docs to just set the fund up. They're expensive. And we, we try to teach people how, like my fund, I only set up like six grand. It's a lot cheaper. We teach people how to do it. If you take your own documents out of your, you know, we have partner offers and stuff, but the, uh, if you do it with international, it's probably double it's like 60 grand. So just know it's going to be that way. Right so plan on it the, the other thing though that's really nice is your fund pays you to build it for this so remember back to the story of like the 3 weeks 500 bucks right we built it we sold it first and then built it later right with a fund when you raise all the money you raise 100 million dollars the 60 grand you can it's a it's a startup cost you can just write it off and reimburse yourself for that so yeah. it's not bad right on 100 million dollars yeah. that's that's pretty darn good and it's nothing from you so we kind of teach people this lean way to launch a fund we call it the fund launch formula and um, that's kind of a way to do it. But to your original question on international investors, just understand that's what you're getting yourself into. So make sure it's, it's worth it. Um, make sure there's enough money at least coming from that investor to, to justify the cost of what it's going to be to take their money.
1: Awesome, man. That, awesome. that makes total sense. And I appreciate all that. All that knowledge drop yeah. you just did right there. German, you got anything? Dude, I, I mean, first of all, I I loved it. I love the story. I love all the content that you that you provide
2: for us. One thing that probably our listeners are asking, because I was asking my myself that question, is like your lifestyle. Do you follow your dad's uh, lifestyle as far as like being frugal, or do you are uh, like like to spend and enjoy your money a little bit more?
0: That's a, actually a really good question. I think because my dad was so frugal, I like to spend money more. Than, than he does. I, I figure. Yeah. <laughs> I think, anyways. But if you guys look on my Instagram or anything, like I, I do not post cars or I'm not doing that, you know, like the flashy life. I'm definitely more conservative than probably 90% of people out there. But my dad is like 99 percent you know. So I'm yeah. probably a little more flashy and spend a little more money than he does. Um, but I I still I think good fund managers are good money manager. I mean, they they manage their personal life and their fund the same. Yeah. Right? Most people that I see that are successful fund managers are not the wolf of wall street douchebag guy. And that's kind of why, like you see on my t-shirt, we have wall street rebel. Like we are kind of the anti finance jerk wall street rebel kind of mentality because most of fund managers I see are really usually very humble, very frugal, very good. Yeah. I mean, that, that would make a good fund manager, right? Wouldn't you think? And so that's um, that's to answer your question though. Yeah. So I'm probably more than my dad, but, but less than average.
1: Awesome. awesome, man. Dude, I love well, it. Thank you so much. And, and you know, if you could tell the, the audience where they can find you, where they can reach you. Yeah.
0: So our uh, our stuff is called Investment Fund Secrets. So we have a podcast channel, all that kind of stuff. Uh, usually our podcast, we put out, our podcast is kind of our main thing. So we put out a lot of episodes and, and do a lot of stuff there. But we have a YouTube channel and stuff. And if you want to message me or want to learn more, Bridger underscore Pennington is my, is my Instagram. Just hit me up on there. I think I think we respond to pretty much every DM we get on there. So if you want to ask me a question, or whatever, just DM me on Bridger underscore Pennington on Instagram. You should be able to find me. But investmentfundseekers.com, you can learn more. We have a one-hour free training on there that walks through kind of all, a lot of stuff I talked here. We have slides and we really go through like very in-depth on how to, how to actually do this, how to make it actionable and get started.
1: Yeah, and it's really good content. I, I've seen a lot of the videos, so really good stuff, man. I uh, appreciate everything you're putting out there, giving back to people. But well, yeah. Thank you guys hey. as
0: well, man. This is awesome. It's been fun yeah. being
1: on. All right. And for the audience, go ahead and leave us that five star review, send us some DMs, some messages, and feedback. And we're always glad to talk and, and get out there. So we're out. Thank you.